0: you for listening. And if you're enjoying the show, please vote with your fingers and rate, review, or subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Every click, every like, and every positive review and every additional subscriber really does make a huge difference. It helps others to find the show and we really do appreciate it. We'd also love to see you at our upcoming live show at Busker's on the Ball Temple Bar in Dublin on August 21st with our special guest, Sky Sports NFL analyst Phoebe Schechter. Full details on the website and on our social channels, and tickets are available on eventbrite.ie. We'd love to see you then. Now, on with today's Hello, show. everyone, and welcome into today's episode of the Irish NFL Show with me, Colum Cronin, and delighted to be joined by a man who saw, Lionel Messi, for his second goal in the MLS last night, uh, when, for some reason, the defence decided to give him uh, a whole acre uh, of space. Uh, he is a Miami Dobson fan. He writes for Vikings Wire. Kevin Fielder, welcome to the Irish NFL Show. Hey, man, thanks for having me. You know, I was a little shocked that they let arguably the greatest player of all time just, you know, shoot at a wide open net. But, you know, I'm not the one making the the business decisions in MLS. So maybe there was a longer-term strategy. Judging by the final score, lad, I'm going to say they didn't know what they were doing. But, you know, maybe there was some, some deeper meaning into what they were trying to do. I, I don't know. Well, what well, I well, before we get in um to Dolphins, talk. What was the atmosphere like in the the stadium for the game when and has a change with Messi there? It so before, I mean there was like an atmosphere before because down here in Miami and South Florida there is a large Latino population. So people naturally gravitate towards soccer and uh you know, and naturally when Inter Miami got their team, it was they were gravitating towards Inter Miami, but when Messi came, I mean Messi is not human. Like I I don't know if like there's a way to explain to someone who may not know because there isn't an NFL equivalent. There's no equivalent in the NFL, there's no equivalent in any other sport. He's not human. Uh, everything he does is basically put on a different level. I mean, he's he's god, he's Jesus. Like he is basically his own religion in Argentina and um, you know Miami in particular has a ton of Argentinians and you know it was it was one of those atmospheres where you watch it and you're like This is probably the closest to like real soccer that you can get in the MLS between Messi and 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 Sergio Busquets. Like this is the closest you can get to European or South American soccer in the states, and it was absolutely wild, crazy. You know, every other adjective that you could use to explain watching Messi play in person. That was there, and now should they have probably played a little bit better defense on him? Look again. Probably, but I don't make the business decisions here. If I did, I wouldn't let him score two goals. But I, I, it's great to kind of hear the enthusiasm there. Obviously, look, uh, you know, we are steeped in soccer um, on this side of the Atlantic and uh, well aware of of everything that Messi achieved with Barcelona and with Argentina. um, But it is pretty cool that a new group of fans in a country less deep in the tradition. Yeah. You no, know, it, it, it's it's good to to see. And um, we will now move uh to the other sort of football, which is obviously uh the the, no, the number one uh, sport stateside and and why we are here to talk about it. And uh, the the Dolphins are an interesting franchise to say the least, oh, given <laughs> You're talking about business decisions, some some interesting business decisions made by the owner in in recent years. But we can park those for right now. In terms of the moves made this season, what what's your feelings about those, Kevin? I think the Miami Dolphins have showed their hands, and by all accounts, this is the year where they need to win football games because. I think that when you look at other years, they'd sort of built this entire plan of like, you know what, we're going to try to remain competitive while rebuilding, and we're going to try and find a way to make the postseason, just be there. And then under Chris Greer and Mike McDaniel, there's been a different sort of tune. And it's now, you know what, no more of this trying to be irrelevant, but not a Super Bowl contender. We're going to put all our chips in, and we're going to build this window where we have for the most part, if you look at their contracts, four or five years to win a Super Bowl. And I, I think that's really defined by the signing of Tron Armstead, the the trade for Tyreek Hill last offseason. Then this offseason, you go in and you get arguably the best cornerback in football, Jalen Ramsey. And so, like, they're showing their hands. This is no more of, you know, we're going to try and pedal the line. We're going to try and go 10 and seven and, you know, maybe make the postseason. We'll see what happens from there. It's, you know we want to be on the same level as the Chiefs. We want to be on the same level as the Chargers and the Eagles, but we want to be able to call ourselves contenders. And so there are a lot of jobs on the line now. I mean, for all intents and purposes, if you don't win this year, you could see a new GM. I, I don't think Mike McDaniel's job is safe if they don't win this year. And so like for the most part, there needs to be results now. And there is no more excuses. And if, if Tua is healthy, and by all accounts, he seems to be healthy. So there are no more excuses. There are no more trying to pedal the line and trying to finish with the tenants. This is the year where they have to try and win 12, 13 games, try and get on that same level as the Bills, who, for the most part, outside of one game last year in the Miami Heat, has had their number and has basically been like a father to the, the Miami Dolphins for years now. And I mean, it's interesting to, to hear you say that because it seems like like, Mike McDaniel is only kind of in the door. And yes, obviously they have made huge trades, but it, I mean, get the, and and they brought in the players you've mentioned and they brought in Vic Fangio. uh, Like with his, and and we heard, you know, there was some talk last year around, could Mike McDaniel, you know, be even moved on uh, last year. Like, I suppose how much does that pressure that expectation add to you know like I su- like a lot of teams struggle when the yeah level of expectation is there and I'm wondering like is that only from ownership is that from fans and and how do you expect the team to respond to that I I think the Miami Dolphins are a similar boat to to compare it to different sports, they're the similar boat to the Miami Heat now. I mean, the, the Miami Heat for so long have been, you know, the expectation is winning. The expectation is being a contender, being in the spot where even if you don't win the finals, you're constantly in that position. You're constantly making moves to get that position. Miami and South Florida sports, and I, you know, there's, there's a whole tangent to go on that could take hours of like, the expectation is winning because when you walk outside of any street on Miami, there's a beach a mile away or there's a, a, a casino a mile away. There's other things to do in Miami that there aren't in other areas. And so Miami is very much a what have you done for me lately kind of city. And as a result, the expectations are winning. And there is no, you know what, we're still going to support you if you go five and 12 in the NFL, or we're still going to support you if you win 20 games in the NBA. No, there's none of that in Miami. The expectation is winning. And so fans have placed that expectation. I think Steven Ross has shown, uh, you know, without getting into the long list of things he probably shouldn't have done, uh, has shown that, you know, he wants a winning football team in Miami as well. And so, you know, I don't like I'm not going to sit here and try and tell you that Mike McDaniels is getting fired because I don't think Mike McDaniels is getting fired. I think Miami's going to be competitive, but if they struggle and they fall flat on their face and they miss the postseason, I, I think that like realistically heads roll in the offseason and when heads roll in the off season, two guys sometimes three are the first to get lose their jobs the general manager the head coach and the quarterback and i i would say like if things don't go right this year you know as a worst case floor like realist or like floor kind of scenario the expectation is winning and so that's why the fans that's why the media that's by everyone and so as a result i mean i don't know if there's like A hotter seat in the AFC East than than Mike McDaniels right now, or or Mike McDaniel right now, because Sean McDermott's not getting fired. He's proven that he's good enough, and I think even if they miss the playoffs, he has built enough good grace in Buffalo. Uh, I think there would be riots if the Patriots fired Bill Belichick, and I think that there would be 29 to 31 teams lining up tonight if there was a firing in New England, and I think it's like Robert Sala and Mike McDaniel are like two guys who in that division, if they don't win, someone's getting fired. And the problem now is, can three teams from the AFC East make the postseason? Because if three teams don't make the postseason from the AFC East, I think we see firing in that division. Yeah, that, way, that is going to be interesting because there is a lot of pressure and expectation. And we did hear um, within the last couple of weeks reports that Bill Belichick see, is... A little bit warm, which I, I give me a well, break. I I was I was shocked uh, to to hear it, but you know it it when there there's a lot of time. There's no smoke without fire. We know um obviously everything that he achieved, and um, and New England wouldn't have the rings they do. But he's honestly had a somewhat strained relationship with Robert Kraft for a while. Who 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 knows? Depends on again how it goes, and and how what this season looks like. But I imagine if you're Robert Kraft and you watched last season and you saw them refuse to name an offensive coordinator and you watched what happened with just how that played out, you have to you know, you're you're a billionaire. You're you're you expect that's the thing. You've got thirty two billionaires in yeah, get I... what they want all the time. Yeah, I mean it's interesting because like if you, if you I think you ask one hundred media members in the NFL who follow the NFL religiously and you ask them would you fire Bill Belichick one hundred percent one hundred of them say no because Bill Belichick is still arguably the greatest coach of all time but Robert Kraft has an expectation of winning too and you know unlike the Dolphins and unlike the Jets he's won I mean you 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 look at his hand he's got more rings than he has fingers at this point point. and so like yeah there's gonna be an expectation from winning there too and. I think if you told me that Bill Belichick was fired because they won five, six games, I would go, okay. I don't know if I agree with it, but sure. Uh, But I think that like if we're ranking them in like sort of a tier list, I think it's Robert Sala and Mike McDaniel at the bottom. And if neither of them win games and they go six and six and twelve or whatever the equivalent is, like, are we sure they have jobs at the end of the year? Because I don't think they do. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a fair point. In terms then of, you know, what, like, what most concerns you about the the Dolphins as we head in, the training camp is underway, the 2023 season is on the horizon, what is it that you look at and you think, I have, I have concerns? I have tried to figure out if there's a hole on the roster that I feel uncomfortable about, and I think on the roster itself, there's not many holes. You know, they have a really good secondary. They have a really good wide receiver room, arguably the best in the NFL. They have an offensive line who has three solid contributors and other guys who can step in. The problem is, can they all stay healthy? Because to this point, I mean, you look at last season alone, Tua had two, maybe three concussions. Uh, You had Teron Armstead battling a foot injury all season to the point that, you know, he didn't practice at all during the week and he would just show up on game day. Uh, and then you have Xavier Howard, who's battled groin injuries in the past. And everyone on this roster f- seems to have some ailing issue. And I, I, if Tua spends more time on, in a hospital or in a training room than he does on in the field, they're not winning games. Because as good as Mike White is, he's no Tua. And Tua played to an MVP level last season when he was healthy. And it all sort of spiraled after the Bengals game. Uh, the biggest problem is that like, if none of these guys stay healthy... This roster is bad. Uh, I mean, if Teron Armstead continues to have nagging foot injuries and requires surgery or whatever, uh, if Xavier Howard doesn't re- improve the groin injury and can't play as a second cornerback in his own defense, or this team isn't winning games. I mean, so, like, the biggest problem is not a spot of the roster. Uh, you know, if people are going to point to the offensive line because of the struggles of Austin Jackson and Leah Eikenberg, and, you know, is, is there an answer at right tackle or left guard? And, I think for the most part, left guard is pretty figured out with Isaiah Wynn if he stays healthy. Uh, now, ironically, he showed up on the PUP list literally the first day of training camp. So maybe he isn't healthy, but if he's healthy, I think you have a left guard and then right tackle is just going to be someone. I mean, they're they're going to put a body there and it's going to be like Jaron Christian, uh, Austin Jackson. And I think if you, or even like, I think they have like a Lester Cotton or something. And they're like, I mean, just making up names at this point. And so, like, they need a right tackle to step up, whatever. But I mean, if you don't have a health at left tackle and at quarterback and at cornerback, uh, you're not going to win many games in the AFC East because of how competitive it, it is this year. Yeah, and, and I suppose that that's a, ve- a very fair point. And you mentioned the pop there, and obviously Amstead um, is on the the pop to to begin training camp uh, as well. A gifted player, um, but the, yeah, the big question in terms of can he stay uh, stay healthy. Kevin, I, I, in turn, I've asked about the concerns. What most excites you about this Dawson's team? Uh, the thing that most excites me is getting to see Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill year two in this offense, because I think you saw Mike McDaniel scheme up a lot of things for Tua, and for Tua in particular, of just making him comfortable with Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. And there is no better situation for a quarterback than getting to throw to two of the top 10 fastest players in football. And it makes, I I think you could throw URI URI out there and we could probably throw for hundred yards with them because they're that open. And so, like, that excites me because if you have a year two with this offense and the amount of speed they have, they can turn games into track meets. And you don't want to get a track meet with the Miami Dolphins because they're going to win the track meet. I I think the defense will be better with Vic Fangio. I think that, like, Vic Fangio has shown at this point that He is arguably the greatest defensive mind in football history to this degree. I mean, he's built an entire era of defenses. And, you know, every defense wants to be the next Vic Fangio. So, like, everything should be better on the defensive side of the ball. But this offense, if everyone's healthy, has the potential to be the best offense in football or one of the top five best. And that alone makes you a Super Bowl contender in the NFL this year. And so, like, there are so many things to be a contender this year if everyone stays healthy and you know, Tyreek, Jalen Waddle, you have running backs like Raheem Mostert did Devon, a chain who is might be the fastest player on the football team. Jeff Wilson is going to run you. Like there are so many things that you like about this offense. It's just the biggest question mark is can any of them stay healthy at one point? And are you going to keep having to do musical chairs at quarterback or are you going to have to keep trying to find a left tackle off the streets? You could play, you know, 10 games for you because Brandon Shell provided admiral support for a week or two, and then looked like a guy you picked up off the street. And if that's a problem that you have all season, I mean, it's going to be similar to last year. And I just don't know if you have the same chance of making the postseason with how good the Jets are this year. I I I I can understand a lot. You know, a lot of the autism. I in I am a Broncos fan. Um, I get. I respect Vic Fangio and. <laughs> I just, and I, you know, I think Vic Fangio has changed the game in many ways, but Vic Fangio's kind of whole scheme was to beat Patrick Mahomes, and he's yet to do do that. (laughs) He does not seem to be able to do it. So I I do think there is a lot of pressure on on Vic because there are a lot of pieces in Miami, got great defensive pieces there, and I am intrigued to see how that works, obviously. Bradley Chubb is there, but uh, you bring in Ramsey. and yeah, he doesn't now have to worry about all of the head coaching uh stuff and they have a great offensive mind in Mike McDaniel. So it should be fascinating to, to see how, how it goes. I I will say real quick, I think that like when we rank pressure on this football team, I don't know if there's more pressure than Vic Bangio because if he wants to be a head coach of the NFL again, the time's running out. I mean, his career has lasted this long and like at some point you're going to hang it up. And if he wants to have that final run at being a head coach again, the success has to be there immediately because I don't know if he could sit here for three years and still become a head coach after that. And, and so like, I think it, for him personally, there's probably a ton of pressure of like, if I want to be a head coach again, I got to start winning now. Yeah. I, I, I wonder does he, that would be fascinating to know if he wants to. now look he never had a QB in Denver certainly and that was a big a big big issue um but there were there were other situations that let's say as a head coach I wonder what he want to put himself back in the biggest problem in Denver was like if you're going to market yourself as the defensive mastermind you can't be having embarrassing defensive performances when you gotta win games against Patrick Mahomes because it's fine to say that you're a defensive mastermind and you can get away with a lot of things by being a good defense. You can't go into Kansas City or you can't have Kansas City come into Denver and have Patrick Mahomes throw for 600 yards against you. The minute that happens, you're no longer a defensive mastermind. You're just another defensive coordinator. And so, like, I, I was looking at it and I was like, yeah, I mean, they had quarterback problems and they, it was never fully on him and surely management and other things playing in that. But, like, you can't be a defensive mastermind and get embarrassed every time you play Patrick. I mean, at some point, something has to give, and if something doesn't give, you're not a defensive mastermind at that point. Yeah, no, I, I mean that that's the thing, and we've heard a little bit from some of the players, um, you know, in terms of maybe some of the issues um, that we had. But uh, you know, he he certainly has the the talent there. If we go, you know, now to kind of we 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 talked to the NFC East a little bit, but if we go wider than that, Kevin, in terms of, you know, things that intrigue you about the the NFL season on on the horizon, what is it that you are you, know, you want to see is a player coach trade that's happened, something that you think could go be fantastic, something that you you know might watch um behind your fingers because you think it could all fall apart. So is yours. If I was being really a devious mastermind, like the biggest question mark I have in the NFL right now is the Philadelphia Eagles have an incredibly talented roster. Before I, I say anything along the lines of like, the Eagles might be bad this year. Like, I don't want an entire Twitter mention of people going, or, I think you're an idiot. But like, I think that when you lose your offensive coordinator, your defensive coordinator in an offseason, and to some degree you lose defensive pieces of a team that was really competitive last year, can you maintain that same success for a second year? And I think that like if they can't do that, then this is a completely different NFC because the NFC is wide open for the most part. I think that when you look at some of these teams in the NFC, it's like Philadelphia, San Francisco, and then a whole bunch of question marks. And is it, you know, are is Atlanta good? Is Carolina good? Is are are the Giants competitive again? Are the Dallas Cowboys finally going to be the Dallas Cowboy of expectations or are they going to try and line up Zeke Elliott at center again? I I don't know. Maybe maybe don't try the whole running back and center thing for another uh for another runaround. But like I, I look at the NFC and I'm like, I have question marks about every single team in the NFC. I don't feel comfortable in saying that, like just right now on what is it, July 26th, that like the Eagles are a Super Bowl favorite because you lose an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator. And whether the offensive coordinator was calling plays is a completely different argument because you know, Nick Sirianni is an offensive-minded coach in his own right, but it, it, when you lose two coordinators, there's giant question marks. Uh, and then I think the other thing that I'm really interested to see how it all works out is, as a Broncos fan, I'm really interested to see how the AFC West works out because you have Patch Mahomes and, look, the Chiefs are going to be good. I don't need to sit here and try and pretend like the Chiefs won't be good. But then you have the Chargers who are coming off the back of a 27 nothing blown lead in the in the first round to the Jaguars. And you have the Raiders who, quite frankly, I couldn't name half their roster at this point, I think, if you you told me I had to. And then you have the Broncos who are this interesting case of Russell Wilson is, can he go back to return to any sort of form that he had in Seattle? Sean Payton, like, this is a very interesting Broncos team. And that's why, like, I think when you try and put together a playoff picture in the AFC, it's so confusing because you have your division winners and I think that like we all sort of agree that it's going to probably be the the Bills, the Chiefs, the Jaguars, and someone from the uh from the north. And then you have a whole bunch of question marks with the wildcard teams. And like I think going back to the Dolphins, like I think they're probably a very solid wildcard lock. I think similar about the Jets. I think the Jets if Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to go into a dark retreat again, he should probably start trying to win a playoff game. Uh but like I think that there's just so many question marks in the AFC and it's like, basically at some point it becomes flipping a coin of who you think can be the most competitive team. And I could sit here. I think you could sit here for hours and try and sit to like talk yourself into any one of those teams. And you could give me a team and I could talk to myself into thinking that they're a playoff team. But like, I think the NFC and the AFC, the, the playoff picture is wide open. And all it takes is one quarterback having this insane season or one head coach playing, you know, coaching out of his mind and, Instead of having a, you know, the the Packers at 5-11 and 11 or 5-12, and 12, you have the Packers winning a playoff game. Because, like, there's so much uncertainty in the NFL this year. And to the same degree of, like, the parody hadn't been great because Tom Brady wanted to make everyone remember who Tom Brady was, you finally have the parody of Tom Brady's no longer in the NFL. He can't hurt us anymore. We don't have to worry about him. Uh, and then you have to worry about Patrick Holmes. But, like, there's so much parity, and like I think that there are probably like five to ten teams that could realistically win a Super Bowl this year, or at least be in the Super Bowl come come February. Yeah, I think fair fair points, but for me, as long as Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are there, they start as favorites, and, and then we go from there. Yeah, I'm like I I think it is still like they start at favorites, and I'm not going to sit here and try and tell you they're not the Super Bowl favorites because. I've tried that before. I got proven an in idiot two weeks into the season. But like, it's not the same as like Tom Brady where it was just like, alright guys, Tom Brady's going to be in the Super Bowl, who's joining him? Because Tom Brady, look, as a Dolphins fan, I, that man can't hurt me anymore. He is not real anymore. He is no longer a thing that can hurt me in my and in, in my feelings on a Sunday. But like, Patrick Mahomes is probably going to be in the AFC Championship game. It's a matter of who's joining him. And I would love to see personally Gibby Burrow and to or Gibby Burrow and Mahomes one more time because I want to see them try and throw it out, or give me give me Josh Allen and Mahomes just one more time because I think that we can finally get one with the changed overtime rules where it doesn't end abruptly. But I I feel like there's just so many question marks in the AFC and equally to the NFC. But like as someone who focuses more on the AFC, like I I couldn't tell you who the the three wild card teams are right now. Because I could probably talk myself into seven, six, seven teams making the wild card in July. Yeah, I mean, I get, I get it. as a Dolphins fan, and the longevity means Brady was inevitable. But he, he became inevitable. Like Patrick Mahomes is stacked. Like Patrick Mahomes has never played a playoff game on the row. and uh, I don't think I, he ever I, will. I don't think he ever will. I mean that that's that's why it becomes so like outside of a created, you know, a stupid. Um, offside's decision. Um, by by the Chiefs, they they could have beaten the the Patriots. Who, you know, it yeah. It is it is so tough. We to are we are quickly delving into Patrick Mahomes is gonna hurt me territory. Yeah. Because because I think that, I I think that like every fan base in the AFC has some sort of memory of Patrick Mahomes at this point because Bills fans I don't think want to talk about the dude anymore because of that playoff game and. Bengals fans don't want to talk about the guy anymore because of last season. And Jaguars fans don't want to talk about the guy because of last season. And, like, you can go down the list of every team in the NFL. And at least the AFC, there's a story to tell about Patrick Holmes. And so, like, I think that, like, there, this could incredibly be clipped in February of me trying to say that, like, John Brady can't hurt me anymore. Uh, you could dub the voice and just go, like, yeah, Patrick Holmes can't hurt me anymore, even though he inevitably will. Because, look, I love watching Patrick Holmes play I would also like to see someone else try and win something for once. Like, g- give someone else to find a fighting chance in the division, or in the conference, please. And hopefully it's the Dolphins in February. Hopefully I'm the happiest Dolphins fan alive after whatever Stephen Ross has done for t- 10 years. But I-, I think it's more realistic that Patrick Mahomes and, er- and Andy Reid are back in back in the Super Bowl. And uh, we're-, we're talking about Andy Reid's hamburger order instead of, like, Mike McDaniel and his weird, quirky personality. We we shall see. I think your Eagles point is fair. very high at the Eagles last year, but I think losing Shane Steichen, um, he's a gifted, gifted, uh, coordinator. I, I think he will make a a very good head coach. But look again, we will have to to wait and see on that. Kevin, for people who want to check out more of your stuff, where can they do that? The best place is Twitter because I'm on there. I think way too much. Uh, it's at the Kevin Fielder. Uh, Vikings Wire, if you are interested in Vikings news, and I guess for me personally, a little bit more of like bigger picture NFL uh, stuff that sort of loosely relate to the Vikings. But I mean, those are the two best places. If you're interested in college football, I talk a lot about college football as well, because uh, frankly, I watch a little bit too much college football and eight hours a day of college football is unhealthy every Saturday, but I'll still do it. So well, I am. Um, I was definitely put the the links into the show notes and thank you again for taking the time to chat to me today. Absolutely, man, anytime.